Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I enjoy a plethora of music styles. Bluegrass, country, rock and roll, and classical. But if you were to ask me what was the most beautiful song written, I, I would have to you know, depend on my mood and, and the season and everything else. But I do have to admit there are some that they have a complexity yet a simplicity. I enjoy Samuel Barber's settings for Agnes D.I., but non-religious songs like De Bouze's uh, Cloud de Lune, it's just piano. It's kind of complex in its notes, but just piano. And in a room that has the right amount of reverberation, to me, it's one of the most beautiful songs. But one of my absolute favorites is Fear Elise by Beethoven. And especially those opening notes. They're so simplistic. And especially when played on classical guitar, to me, that's the definition of beauty and something well done. But... It also depends on the performer. If it's done too slow or too fast, you lose something. The word in today's text that they say he's done all things well, that's the Greek word for that beauty in something so artistic when everything comes together and you can only stand and look at it and say, that is beautiful, that is art. Our text for our sermon is Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. It all culminates in the confession of verse 37, so I'll read that to remind you of the account. They were amazed beyond measure and said, He's done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I specifically mention well for that thorough lease and those opening notes that they're so simplistic and yet so beautiful because the message of salvation is so simplistic. It's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And in that we see it all. Jesus has done everything well. He was perfect in your place. He took the punishment for your sins. He sends the Holy Spirit as God the Father had planned for you to hear that message and believe all in His perfect timing. And that's exactly what's going on in today's text as we see Jesus has done everything well. Verse 31, our first verse says, Jesus left the region of Tyre again and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. We are within the last year of Jesus' earthly ministry. It all ends with Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And he seems to be withdrawing away from your usual Israelite crowd. He's spending time with the disciples and teaching them. But the irony is, he, as he says, he is sent for the lost sheep of Israel. He's primarily going to the people that had the word. Because I've got to tell you, even as a pastor, lots of times it's easier to begin with somebody who has a Christian background to explain to them that Jesus is the Christ and than it is to start from scratch. And, and it's a blessing in both. So prior to this text, Jesus has been in that region of Tyre. That's in Phoenicia. That's where the Canaanites were. That's where Baal worship was. Jezebel was a Phoenician who Elijah had to stand up against because she was really leading the people into Baal worship. And it's there that the Canaanite woman approaches him. She's not an Israelite and asks him to heal her daughter. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it was no, shall we say, mere coincidence that our Lord and Savior was there that day to heal that daughter of that Canaanite woman. 
And his miracles were to confirm that he was and is and remains the Messiah, the Savior, the one God anointed to save us. And the Decapolis is part of what used to be known as Israel. But see, this was a region that Alexander the Great, when he conquered it, he set up those ten cities, Deco, Polis, ten cities. So this was a region that was pretty thick also with Gentiles, not just Israelites. And again, it's no mere coincidence that Jesus is trying to retire and be there alone to teach his disciples that this guy who's deaf and could not hear about Jesus or his saving acts would be brought to him. God is there in his perfect timing, just like putting those notes together, not playing them too fast, not playing them too slow to get that beautiful appeal in Furelis. So he's there and Jesus takes him aside, as we're told in verse 33, in private, away from the crowd. He puts his fingers in the man's ear. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. After he looked up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. Immediately the man's ears were opened. His tongue was set free and he began to speak plainly. Brothers and sisters in Christ, they didn't have a lot of the technology we have today. If this man couldn't hear then he couldn't hear the good news of salvation. Oh, today you and I could pick up Bibles. But recall in those days, the synagogues would pool together their money to, to try to get one copy. And it was several copies, actually, several scrolls of what you and I know as the Old Testament. Or you went to the temple to hear it read. Somebody read it to you because scrolls were expensive and hard to make. This guy was in quite a world of hurt spiritually if he can't hear by those times. And it's very interesting the loving care that Jesus takes to speak sign language to this man. Sticking his fingers in the man's ear after he pulls him aside. Nothing goes into these ears. I'm going to do something about it. Jesus doesn't spit on the man. He spits. Now, we don't use tobacco any day, but when I was a kid, I used to be fascinated with some of those old cowboys and the precision. They, they could speak like pumpkin seeds or, or, uh, or watermelon seeds. Jesus spits. Things don't come out of your tongue with precision. Something's going to. And he touches the man's tongue. This isn't working right. Have you ever been around somebody who was born with a hearing problem and they can speak, but because they can't really hear the words they're forming, their speech is very garbled? It's obvious this is going on. There may be something even more to give him even worse of a speech impediment. But the amazing thing is that looking up to heaven and sighing, this is exactly what he did at the tomb of Lazarus. This is God in the flesh who subjected this world to decay when Adam and Eve fell into sin so that we would not get attached to this dying world, so that we would look forward to the paradise he's won for us. And still God takes no pleasure in our suffering the miseries of this world. Like I said, he did it so that we know don't get attached to this. This is going to be destroyed and rebuilt. This world isn't where it's out. It's the eternal life he's won for us. But God still takes no pleasure in seeing you suffer through this, but he does have plans for it, and he works through that, only allowing you to suffer things when he can use it for your good, as he does with this man. He does all things well. And in this man's case, he's here to give this man faith in him as the Savior. Be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. He could now hear the word, the good news of a Savior. His tongue was set free. He could now tell others the word, the good news of Savior, and, and confess his faith. I know that my Redeemer lives. And he can speak plainly. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus has done everything well. He makes us 
hear. Now you go, but pastor, I can hear. That's why I'm here today. Don't forget, brothers and sisters in Christ, that in our natural sinful condition, the sinful nature, we can hear the word of God all day long. and It'll go in one ear and out the other. That good news of salvation that God became a man and took on our flesh to save us, that's pure folly to the world. The idea that God actually gives you the ability to hear creates the faith so that you actually trust the message through the message. Well, that's circular reasoning to this world's logic. That's how God has worked. You are here this morning to hear the word of God because God has sent the word to you and he gave you the ability to hear. So that now you want to hear over and over again God's sweet I love you's. God's promises, I'm keeping you in your salvation. God's promises, I'm continually removing your sin and I know of it no more through my blood. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can give an unbeliever the Bible and they'll read it and it'll just seem like ridiculousness to them. Or you can give an unbeliever the Bible and they'll read it and the Holy Spirit will work. But without that Holy Spirit working, even whether we hear or read the Word of God, it's going to seem like foolishness. And as we heard in our epistle lesson through James, when we hear the word of God and then we want to live as if God's will does not apply to us anymore, then we're not truly listening with the hearts of faith. We don't do the law in order to be saved. When God has saved us, we do God's will in order to thank and praise him. And it naturally flows out of us. We don't have to tell the sun to shine. It's what God created the sun to do. And when God gives you faith through that word, you don't have to tell it to do good works. Sinful nature needs to be told that. The new man doesn't. It's what God built that new man in you to do. So Jesus has done everything well. He makes us hear. And that means he's given us the faith to hear and obey his word as well. This man was able to speak, but... Do you see that if there weren't people who were willing to come and talk for this man who couldn't talk and couldn't hear, if they didn't come on his behalf, he'd have been in a world of hurt, wouldn't he? Jesus also makes us speak. But let's get into the very first thing. Verse 32 of that man's friends. They brought a man to him who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They pleaded with Jesus to place his hands on him. Coming to God, whether they recognize him or not as God, and pleading with him to help their neighbor. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what you and I do in prayer. And because the blood of Christ, we've heard of the forgiveness and, and we trust it because he's given us those hearing years of faith. We are able to speak, speak even more boldly than this man's friends did. Because you, you have a promise from God that he wants you to speak to him in prayer and he promises to hear and listen. The problem is the people here bring to Jesus the way to heal. They had heard what he had done in the past, so they left. They even told Jesus the method to use. They pleaded with Jesus to place his hands on him. Jesus had done this before. Do you notice that this is the one thing Jesus doesn't do? So often we in our folly think we need to bring the solution to God. Lord, I have a terminal disease. Heal this disease this way. Lord, I have a financial problem. Let me give a raise at work. Brothers and sisters in Christ, whether we're talking about our problems or our neighbor's problems, we just need to bring the problem to the Lord. Lord, my neighbor has cancer. Amen. Lord, my neighbor does not know you. Amen. God knows the solution. We don't need colorful prayers. The Holy Spirit intercedes with moans and groans for us. He does that work. But you are privileged by the blood of Christ. God promises to hear and answer your prayers so you can speak. Speak on behalf of your neighbor. 
Lord, use me as the witness or, or bring this neighbor to you. Lord, give the opportunity. Allow the crosses in my neighbor's life so that he can see that he needs you. Let me speak the good news of salvation or bring someone to. We can plead for our neighbor. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I've been there a hundred times with friends saying, I will pray for you just doesn't quite hit home as much as saying, why don't we fold our hands and let me pray to God for you now, where they can hear you saying, Lord, my friend is hurting. You solve this problem for them as you promise to hear my prayer. Jesus gave the people strict orders to tell no one, but the more he did so, the more they kept proclaiming it. We're told the reason why. They were amazed beyond measure and said he's done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. But brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus gave them orders not to. We're not told why he did this. We can only speculate. And as I said, it seems to be he's trying to be somewhat alone with the disciples to give them some training. Whatever the reason was, God did not want the witness that they were giving. And I, I can speculate, perhaps it's because a lot of people came to Jesus just to see the fireworks display. As the people came to Jesus because he'd fed them with the bread at that boy's lunch, and then they demanded bread, bread, bread. Jesus didn't want them coming to him for that. Although he could still use that to create faith. Many of them quit following. Don't come to me for the fireworks display, for the miracle show. Come to me for the true miracle of salvation. But we can only speculate. The point is he told them not to, and they did. God opens up our tongues to speak. And he presents the opportunities for us to speak the good news of salvation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are many Christians that think God just needs our help and they need to change his word a little bit. I'm not talking, you know, when, when, when somebody's new to the faith and they come to me, I'm not going to begin with the communication of attributes of Christ. I'm going to get there. Lots of times in Bible information class, I teach people, they say, what about this? I'll say, I'm going to give you a short answer now. And five lessons from now, two lessons from now, we're going to get deeper in that. But I've got to lay the groundwork. I'm talking when people think that God needs our help. So we're only going to focus on a few doctrines or maybe change what we teach as if we're trying to sucker them in. Maybe just not believing the word. God tells us his word is truth and we dare not water it down. We dare not defile it with untruth. And sometimes, brothers and sisters in Christ, even well-meaning, I felt guilty because I've wanted to share the word of God with my neighbor and, and I forced it into conversations like using a pry bar to force open a locked door and just simply missed it. God was not presenting the opportunity yet. And I've been guilty of the times God has given the golden opportunity and I could say, let me pray to God with you about this now and missed it. It's a privilege God gives us, brothers and sisters in Christ. When God presents the opportunity, it often happens when our neighbor's hurting. When there's something going on in their life, that's when we strike when the iron is hot. But don't, don't beat yourself up. That if you're never witnessing, there's a problem. But don't go forcing it in like a pry bar either. God gives you the privilege to speak as he presents the opportunities. And we don't need to worry like, if I don't have this Bible passage exactly memorized, when God uses you to speak, His Holy Spirit will do the work that God has intended. That takes all of the pressure off of us. Simply confess your faith as He loosens up your tongue by providing the opportunities. As I said, brothers and sisters in Christ, I listen to a plethora of music, and yet I think that some of the, some of the music where it's just a few simple chords played at the right pace, at the right tempo, is just absolutely beautiful. 
And that's the definition for the word well. And God does everything well. Jesus, in God's perfect timing, took on human flesh. He did the work for your salvation. In perfect timing, he planned for you to hear the word uh, and be saved and be baptized. And he plans in his perfect timing for you to confess your faith and to pray for your neighbor and to speak to his neighbor as he gives you the opportunities as a privilege. Truly, Jesus does everything well. He makes us hear by giving us the ears of faith. And he makes us speak. Amen. Now to him who was able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.